Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rovardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson, and happy Victory Tuesday. Can you guys believe what we just watched on primetime football last night? Not only did we not think that the Giants could beat the Packers, we didn't think that we were going to see such a thrilling game. Giants come from behind win, field goal to win it, Randy Bullock knocking in the field goal. That was a surprise, and really the big surprise was Tommy DeVito showing up and showing out with the bright lights in MetLife Stadium. It was a tough game for both sides. Wink Martindale's defense held true at the end of the game, helped the Giants get the win. Wink Martindale, man, he deserves another game ball. We're not singing his praises enough. The Giants need to do everything to keep him on the coaching staff this offseason. Him and Dable, they got to fix whatever was going on. They got to keep Wink Martindale. But even looking at the offense, I thought Mike Kafka did a great job last night. And really, I'm just so impressed with my hero, Tom. Tommy DeVito, who of course I'm going to talk about plenty in this episode, but there were so many standout players and standout moments from this game. Now the New York Giants sitting at eighth overall in the draft order. If you're in the tank crowd, the Giants are not tanking, and in fact, they are fighting for a playoff spot. They are one game out of the playoffs now with this win over the Green Bay Packers. They entered the game sitting fourth or fifth overall in the draft order, fell to eighth, and now they are looking dead in the face at the playoffs with another team in front of them in the playoff race up on the schedule next Sunday. So this is a serious playoff run for the New York Giants right now. They're on a three-game winning streak. When was the last time we saw the Giants on a three-game winning streak with this much momentum going into the late December period? This is exciting stuff, guys. I I mean, I know a lot of Giants fans don't want to see this team make the playoffs. I've been pretty clear over the past few weeks. If you got a chance to play off football, you take it and you run with it, especially when Tommy DeVito is leading the charge. And again, I'm going to talk a lot about Tommy DeVito in this episode. We're going to react to this game and talk about what it means for the Giants. But before we dive into all that, make sure to like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And how are you feeling on this beautiful Tommy DeVito Victory Tuesday? I'm feeling pretty good, man. Look, never going to be upset about winning football games. And the Giants, like I said, what, last a couple days ago, if they're going to win games, let's, I mean, freaking screw it. Let's go for the postseason at this point. Like, <laughs> if we're going to win games and we're not going to be, like, winning, losing, winning, losing back and forth, and we're going to win three straight, I'm, you know what, I'm, I'm, screw it, let's just freaking go for it. You know, what, what's the what's the alternative here? You know, we hope we lose out after a three-game win streak or one game out of the postseason. I mean, at this point, let's just freaking do it. Um, and at the end of the day, look, Tommy DeVito has been a silver lining in what has been a very disappointing season. The Giants are playing good football right now, and it's taken... 13, 14 weeks to actually visualize this and and see it as a reality. Look, they beat a lot of bad teams. They, the guys, all the teams in front of us, we've beaten. The Packers are the first team not in the top five picks uh, that we've actually beaten. And the Packers are a good football team. Yes, they looked awful last night. Jordan Love was terrible. But 
credit the Giants defense. They stepped up. They made him look bad. The pass rush guys, Kayvon Thibodeau, all the people who called him busts are hiding right now in their caves. This is a player blossoming, man. And and I love to see this. Kayvon Thibodeau, we stood by him in the beginning of the season when he was struggling and you know his confidence was down. And then he had that huge game after being ripped on the fan. And he hasn't looked back, man. He's been getting better and better and better. He had a sack. He had a forced fumble yesterday. A couple of big, big plays. Tackles for a loss. Um, this is a guy who is really taking tremendous steps forward into becoming a really good, well-rounded player. If the Giants add another really good pass usher on the outside to pair with with pair with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, this defense is going to be even better. And look, Dexter Lawrence was on a snap count yesterday. He didn't play all that much. Still managed to you know make an impact. Went on the field. You know, obviously Deontay Banks was awesome. I mean, I know he had that he had that one touchdown at the end, but that pass breakup. Um, that deep pass where he he caught up and got his hand in the way, that could have been the game-changing play. Like, that could have won the game for the Giants at the end of the day. Uh, big momentum uh, stopper right there. So, you know, Deontay Banks, he has become our CB1. The guy is legit. He has ridiculous upside. Really excited to continue to watch his growth. Of course, Xavier McKinney had a good game. Jason Pinnock had a really, really good game, had an interception. Um, he was all over the field. Pinnock has been one of our best value grabs over the past couple years, in my opinion. I think you probably agree with that. Formerly, you know, a jet cut by the Jets, lands with the Giants, ends up as a starter and a high-end starter for that. Um, really excited. Dory Jackson had a tremendous game. Obviously, Bobby O'Karake was all around the field as usual. Um, I was I was really impressed by this defense, guys. We cannot afford to lose Wink Martindale. And you know what? Winning solves all. Winning cures all. And I do believe that all the reports that were coming out about you know Wink and Dable having this animosity and this adversity and being kind of mad at each other probably stemmed from losing football games and being frustrated at the fact they were losing football games. Now they're winning. Everything's looking good. Dable gave him the, the game ball two, two weeks ago. This team looks like they're building back up. This team looks like they're building back their confidence. And if, if we can thank Tommy DeVito for anything, even if we don't make the postseason this year, if we can thank him for anything, it's going to be keeping this locker room intact by winning games. It's going to be by giving this team a reason to be confident for this reason, a reason for this coaching staff not to be shredded to freaking cheddar after this season's over. You know what I mean? Like, if anything, he gave us a reason to not destroy our coaching staff. Maybe we do keep Kafka and Wink. Maybe we do end up keeping some of these guys. Thomas McGoffey, another story. I still think he stinks. Um, but I, I do believe that most of these guys are worthwhile keeping. Even Bobby Johnson has done a lot better. This offensive line yesterday, they got the game ball. They were excellent. Tommy DeVito didn't take a sack yesterday, guys. Um, really, really impressed. You know, obviously, the, the game wasn't perfect. The Giants had to obviously get over a couple of humps, notably the Saquon Barkley fumble late at the end of the game. Not something you expect from him. Uh, but ultimately, you know, this was a full team win. I think we, we really clicked on most cylinders in this game. I think the passing game could have been better, but of course, everything could always be better. I think Tommy made up for it with his legs, the 71 rushing yards. Um, definitely was excellent in that regard. You can see the game starting to slow down for him a bit. He's starting to be a little bit more reactive and not just wait and he hold on to the ball forever. When when he starts, when he doesn't see anything, he's starting to take off running instead of standing there for too long. You can see the processing improving. Um, he's gotten better week over week, and I think that's the most impressive thing about Tommy DeVito so far is that he's been getting better, and that confidence, having his family there, having everybody rallying behind him, it's giving him more talent, giving him more ability. 
I think he's really thriving off of this atmosphere, thriving off of this story. And I think as long as the Giants can keep that story alive, we're going to see him make plays and make some really nice throws. Notably, that that on the throw move to, uh, on the move throw to Hodgins in the end zone, and that dart to Wandell at the end of the game, and that flea flicker to Wandell earlier. He made some really, really nice throws. There's a lot to improve, as always, with any player. But Tommy DeVito, is, as you've been saying, Anthony, for a couple of days, if not weeks now, for an undrafted player out of Illinois, he's been playing much better than the expectations set out for him. Yeah, it's time for me to get on my Tommy DeVito rant for sure. Before I dive into it, I will say, you mentioned the pass rush. I just got to throw out these stats from Dexter Lawrence because they are incredible. He was only limited to 20 pass rushing snaps in last night's game. On those 20 snaps, he had six total pressures and a sack. This guy is a mutant. He is unreal. He also had two run stops, and he was only on the field for nine run run defending plays. Dexter Lawrence is just playing at a different level right now, something that we haven't seen since like Aaron Donald's prime. It's unreal. Injured and still making such an impact. I also just got to give a quick shout out to Aziz Ojalari. You mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau's been playing great all season long, just needs somebody on the other side of the line to kind of boost that pass rush with him. Well, Aziz Ojalari did that last night. Six total pressures and a sack and three hurries on 29 pass rushing snaps. He was the second highest graded player for the New York Giants by PFF last night. So Aziz Ojalari really showed up and showed out as did Kayvon Thibodeau and as did, of course, Dexter Lawrence. But now it is time. I got to talk about Tommy DeVito, Tommy Cutlets, my Captain America, Captain New York, Captain New Jersey, the pinpoint Paisano, touchdown Tommy. Let's talk about him because I'm not going to go into this conversation and say he's a franchise quarterback. He's a starting level quarterback. What I'm going to say is that it's unfair for fans to say that he can't be those things just because he was undrafted. I said this on the live stream Wednesday before this game happened. I said this on a couple episodes over a week ago. I've been talking about Tommy DeVito and saying that this kid is better than your average backup quarterback. So what was the narrative when Daniel Jones went down with the injury? It was, no, we don't want to start Tyrod Taylor. We want to start Tommy DeVito because we want to see if we have a long-term QB too. But why is that the conversation? Why is that the ceiling that we all place on Tommy DeVito? And why is that fair? Well, in my opinion, it's not. He only gets that ceiling because he's an undrafted player and because he entered the NFL with no expectations. But if you compare him to other rookie quarterbacks around the league, not only this season, but in seasons prior, he is outplaying many of them and he is showing extreme improvement on a week-to-week basis if Tommy DeVito was drafted in the first round and he was a first round draft pick playing this well at the quarterback position winning three games straight making clutch throws leading game winning drives if he was a first round draft pick we would all be saying we found our franchise quarterback for the future that is undeniably the narrative that would be out here but because he's an undrafted quarterback it's what a great feel-good story love this kid he's definitely going to be a long-term backup that's unfair to give him that ceiling just because he wasn't drafted if he was a drafted player we would all be talking about him like he was the second coming but because he's not a drafted player we are capping his ceiling and that's not fair if that's what we did to Tony Romo to Kurt Warner to Dak Prescott the MVP These guys would not be the MVP level superstar players that they became. Brock Purdy is another example. Think about Dak Prescott and where he was when he was drafted in, I think, 2015. Fourth round draft pick. What did they say about him? Maybe he can develop into a really nice backup behind Tony Romo. Tony Romo gets hurt. He goes out there for half a season, balls out, wins the starting job. Now he's the MVP, leading MVP candidate this season, all these years later. So Tommy DeVito, am I saying that he's going to be MVP one day? Am I saying that he's going to be a franchise quarterback? 
No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can't say that he won't be these things just because he's an undrafted player. So I'm not hyping him up too much. I'm not falling in love with him. Don't tell me that it's about the sample size because if you're going to argue his sample size is too small to say that he's going to be something great, it's also too small to say that he's not going to be something great. Okay? I think that it goes both ways. So listen to what I'm saying before you get angry at me in the comments. And I'm not overreacting because I'm not saying that he's going to be a starting level quarterback. All I'm saying is it's unfair to say that he can't be those things. What have we seen from him throughout these, this past month of football that we've seen from Tommy DeVito? Well, he entered the lineup and immediately we noticed his flaws, right? He was struggling to get the ball out of his hands. He was struggling to avoid sacks. He was taking far too many sacks, adding too much pressure to himself. Last night, he didn't take a single sack. He should have been sacked at least three times in that game last night. He avoided those sacks. The game, like you said, Alex, is slowing down for him. He's showing week-to-week improvement in that regard. He's getting better at reading defenses. He's getting better at taking chances downfield, like that throw to Juan Dale, and like a few throws that he had against the Patriots, Jalen Hyatt throws. He's showing a lot of progress, and he's showing that he has some of these traits that we didn't think he had, right? We thought, okay, he doesn't have the arm talent to be a really talented NFL quarterback. Last night, he showed some good arm talent, and I thought he showed great arm talent against Washington as well. Deep shots to Jalen Hyatt last night, that laser into the back of the end zone to um, Isaiah Hodgins, and we're talking about a MetLife Stadium that was swirling with tornado-like winds. So I think that uh, that Tommy DeVito has the arm talent for a starting-level quarterback, and I think that if a team fully bought into him and gave him an opportunity here and really cared about his development, he could prove to be something in this league. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be a franchise quarterback, just saying it's unfair to say that he can't be because he wasn't drafted. Look around this league, top 50 draft picks. Think about Bryce Young if you want to take him as the obvious example. The first overall pick, he's going to get another three to four years to prove himself just because he was drafted first overall. Tommy DeVito has to make the most of this small time frame of games that he's playing in. Otherwise, he's probably not going to get another chance just because he was undrafted and he wasn't a large investment for a team. Even think about Zach Wilson. All these years later, Zach Wilson is still getting opportunities to start, still saying maybe he can develop into a starter one day. Maybe he can find the talents that he had at BYU right? Are the Jets not just perpetually forcing him into the starting lineup despite being a terrible NFL quarterback? He has the longest leash ever. All of these first round quarterbacks get the longest leashes. Tommy DeVito has no leash right now. He's playing unhinged. He's going out there. He's balling out. But I do think that it's unfair to cap his ceiling off and say that he can't be a starter one day just because he was undrafted. That's my take on it. I love how he played last night. Was he perfect? No, he missed some throws. But again, he's a rookie, an undrafted rookie. His expectations are minimal. They're not even there. He doesn't even have expectations. So for him to go out there, do what he's doing, winning football games, making impressive throws, being calm under pressure, and more importantly, showing progress and improvement week in and week out, this is what you see from quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that tell you maybe they can blossom into a starting quarterback one day. So it's not fair to say that Tommy DeVito can't do those things just because he's an undrafted rookie. He's showing all of the traits and doing all the things that you love to see from first round quarterback prospects. Once they start doing these things, that's when you buy in. I know Giants fans aren't going to buy into Tommy DeVito, and I'm not either because I don't want to have high expectations for him as an undrafted quarterback, but he is a talented player. Would he ever stop me from drafting a first-round quarterback in the upcoming 2024 NFL draft? Absolutely not. The traits for some of those guys, the potential for those guys, the ceilings for those guys, you obviously take a chance on those guys. There are reasons that Tommy DeVito didn't go drafted. There are reasons that he wasn't a draft pick. But what I'm saying is that there are reasons 
why you can buy into him. And there are reasons to believe that he can develop into something. One thing that I will say, the New York Giants in no way, shape, or form can cut Tommy DeVito this upcoming season or offseason. There's no way they can expect him to last on their practice squad. They have to roster this kid. If he gets put onto their practice squad, immediately as soon as another team's quarterback gets injured, they're going to sign Tommy DeVito. And then the Tommy DeVito mania that we are loving and enjoying and watching, it's going to start happening elsewhere. And that will make me sick to my stomach and I will hurt myself. So the New York Giants need to keep Tommy DeVito, at least on their active roster, in my opinion. But that is a conversation for another day. Alex, I want to know some of your thoughts on the things that I said. Again, the narratives out there about capping his ceiling, you know, he maybe he can be a good backup. Why is that his ceiling? I don't think it's fair. I know that you're impressed with the way that he's played in the past month, really, and the way that he's improved and progressed over these games, um, as am I. So kind of how are you feeling about Tommy DeVito and some of the things that I said about the narrative surrounding him? Well, listen, I mean, we just saw it with Brock Purdy, like on like guys, the last pick in the draft. And look, he's now on an MVP campaign, you know, kind of reference that. So, you know, we've seen crazier things happen. This is certainly not the first time uh, that an undrafted or, or uh, you know, a player that nobody knew has stepped up and become a starting quarterback. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I think there's a couple things to note with Tommy DeVito. The first one is I think that he – I honestly think that this may be the only place he could do this in because, one, he's got his whole family here. He's got the atmosphere. He's got the whole club, the whole Italian community from New Jersey supporting him. I don't think he could do this in, like, Cincinnati. You know what I mean? I don't think he could do this in – any other place, Ohio, you know, I think it's New Jersey or nothing. You know, I think it's New York or nothing. I think it's Giants or nothing. Maybe the Jets, but I think it's Giants or nothing for him. Uh, that's personally how I feel. I mean, for goodness sake, he lives at home still. This guy, if he's going to make it, it's going to be with the Giants. That's my personal opinion. I think he's feeding off of this media attention and this community and this family orientation. His agent is an absolute clown in a good way. He's dressed to the freaking nines with the hilarious stuff. He's kissing his dad on the cheek. It's absolutely hilarious. I freaking love this whole storyline that we're currently experiencing. But I'll say this. Tommy DeVito is – like just like what the 49ers did with Brock Purdy, he is a he needs to be in the right system, right? Tommy DeVito needs to be in a system that supports his growth and supports his qualities. So far, the Giants have done an unbelievable job making him fit in this offense. You know, running the ball, throwing on the move, accurate toss. Like he has been altogether just good in this system. Um, I don't know if another system would fit him because the, the Giants have done a great job just like turning this offense into his offense in a way. But it kind of opens your eyes into how they how Daniel Jones failed to do that with us. You know what I mean? It kind of opens your eyes into how the margins between Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito, how big are they? You know, how much better is Daniel Jones and Tommy DeVito? And I'll tell you right now, and if you disagree with me, don't know how you do. Daniel Jones is not $40 million better than Tommy DeVito, guys. And I think that's objectively true. Um, I don't really know where the Giants go from here because, you know, you said, and I agree with you, Tommy DeVito isn't stopping me from drafting a quarterback. But Tommy DeVito might be stopping the Giants from drafting a quarterback because he's winning games. And the Giants may not be in a place to get a quarterback of that caliber. Are we really going to go after Michael Penix? Are we really going to go after J.J. McCarthy? At that point, you just run it back and see if Tommy DeVito can have a great season and add like a Marvin Harrison Jr. to this equation or like a Joe Alt and like lock down the tackle spot. Like that's the alternative argument here. However, with that being said, the other argument is Brian Dable 
has done something with an undrafted kid out of Illinois who was not even on the roster like six, seven weeks ago. He was on the practice squad. He has done something with a player like this that nobody thought was possible, right? He has turned Tommy DeVito into a success story. Imagine what he could do with a Jaden Daniels. Imagine what he could do with a Caleb Williams. And personally, I'm full-blown Jaden Jaden Daniels train right now. Look, I'd love to have Caleb Williams. I'd love to have Jake May. But you guys know my – this is my take. You know, you guys – have your any opinion you want. I support it. I definitely would love to have a good conversation with you guys. I'm fully on the Jaden Daniels train right now. Um, and a lot of people are saying he's not going to be there with a Giants pick. This isn't the first time a team has had to trade up to get a quarterback, guys. The Giants can move up and get a quarterback. Like, this is not out of the realm of possibility. We play the Eagles twice. That is going to be really difficult. The Packers played really, really bad yesterday. The Eagles do not play bad against us. They play really good against us every single time you play them. It's going to be a lot more difficult to to beat them. But their defense is Swiss cheese, and Tommy DeVito could put up some nice numbers against them. So I'll throw that out there. But look, the Giants may be winning games and out of place for like a top quarterback right now. But we don't have to move up to the first overall pick to get a Jaden Daniels, you know what I mean? Like, Caleb Williams, he's probably going to go number one overall. And Carolina is the Bears pick. I think the Bears really like Justin Fields, and I think you agree with that. They could definitely move out of that pick. But last year, look what it took for Carolina to go from nine to one. It took two first-round picks, DJ Moore, and another pick. I forget what it was. Um, But the Giants don't need to move up to one to get Jaden Daniels. They could probably move up to five. Let's say they're sitting at ten. Ten to five isn't going to cost you all of that capital. It's going to cost you a lot less. And for what it's worth, the Bears could end up trading back twice. You know what I mean? They could end up going to five and then back to where the Giants are and just get massive draft capital for the future. And it gives them a really good security blanket if Justin Fields doesn't pan out. And they still land um, a huge upside talent in the top 10 picks. So they're positioned extraordinarily well to walk out of this draft with ridiculous value and prepare for the future. But Listen, I don't think the Giants are out of the realm of trading up to get a Jaden Daniels or even getting Jaden Daniels where they sit. Um, it's totally possible. But with that being said, I love this whole Tommy DeVito storyline. It's really, really fun. It, it's it's exciting. And ultimately, I think at the end of the day, the Giants are one game out of the postseason. And at this point, I'm going to support that because that's realistic. And landing a big quarterback is not realistic right this current moment because of the fact that we are winning too many games. So, like I said, if we're going to make a push at the postseason, we might as well freaking do it. So, I guess, you know, that's that's where I am right now. I didn't expect us to win yesterday's game. Not many people did. But, you know, the, the storyline's too much fun to not at least enjoy a little bit of happiness. I mean, it's been a freaking miserable time as a Giants fan the last five, six years for the most part. The little bit of happiness that we do get every now and then, I'll hold on to that. They doubted me. They called me crazy. They said, Anthony, the Giants aren't going to have a chance at making the playoffs. Alex, you said these things, and now you're on the right, hype train with me. Let's not get crazy. You're on the hype train with me. I'm glad to have you on I'm glad to have you rooting for the far. We have a lot left to accomplish before we actually do it, okay? So, look, let's make <laughs> I'm it I'm glad first. you're here rooting for it with me yes, now, because I'm, for a I'm while I was you. alone. I'm, I'm screwed. I was alone, and it. I was like, let's go for the postseason. I want to see the playoff run. And everybody was like, you're crazy. Let's go for the top quarterback. I'm telling you, there's nothing like winning football games. There's nothing like seeing your team compete for a playoff spot and compete in the playoffs. If you have an opportunity for it, you got to root for it. I'm glad to have you on board, Alex. Let's go. A couple other things that I will say. 
the the uniforms i want to talk about the uniforms the giants need to wear these primarily now these things are beautiful they're three oh and one three wins zero losses one tie when wearing these throwback uniforms it's time to make the switch full time long term i need to see these uniforms night in night out they are too good to, to wear only a couple times per season now the other thing that i will say alex is really a question and a little bit of a fun conversation that i have for you what in the world happens if Tommy DeVito beats the Philadelphia Eagles on Christmas Day? How does that change the narrative? Does the world implode? Does everybody start screaming, I love Tommy DeVito? Does everybody say build around Tommy DeVito? What happens if he happens to beat the Philadelphia Eagles? I want to live in a world where Tommy DeVito gives me the best Christmas present of all time and beats Philadelphia that would be a dream come true. But I'm curious to know, like, what do you think? What 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 changes there? What changes in the narrative? Do you think that if he, like, let's say he beats the Saints next week and the Giants are on a four-game winning streak, they march into that week 16, I think, matchup it is, and they beat the Eagles, they're on a five-game winning streak, they are sitting firmly in the playoff hunt, what happens then? Like, where are we with the Tommy DeVito conversation? I know it's just a hypothetical what if, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but this is starting to feel like the momentum is building. Tommy DeVito is pulling things, pulling pulling things off that we didn't think were possible. He's winning games. He's a winner. Like, we could say that about him. He's playing really good football, and like you said, the Eagles' defense is susceptible. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we have the Saints matchup coming up, but, you know, what happens to this narrative? What changes? Is this still look for the quarterback in the offseason, or is it or does it then become, if, if Tommy DeVito can beat teams like the Eagles winning football teams, then does it become, let's see what we have in this kid for the future? I mean, that, and that's a great question. Here's how I personally perceive this right now. It leaves the question open-ended. You know what I mean? It's not like the end-all, be-all. Like, we have to draft a quarterback. If, if Tommy DeVito gets better and better and better and beats the Eagles and wins primetime games, I mean, guys, I don't think Daniel Jones has ever won a primetime game. Like, this may have been the first one that we've won in a long time. Um, it's Or it's been a long time since DJ has done it at the very least. So hear me out. Like, if the Giants, you know, Tommy gets better and better and better and this, this narrative is building that – could he really be the perfect scheme fit for us? Could he really be the future here? The Giants now go into the draft with a lot more options on the table. You know what I mean? They can consider other other alternatives. Like, they don't have to trade the farm for a quarterback. However, you go into the draft thinking, if the opportunity arises and the quarterback we want is there, we take the quarterback, right? That's not – Tommy Reveal's not going to stop me. If the, if the opportunity is there, the chance is there, the cost is right, we're in the right spot, you take the damn quarterback because you don't risk – that you know what I mean? You don't risk that. Worst case scenario, that rookie and Tommy battle it out, and it's a freaking war. And the the, the best man win, and the other guy gets traded. You know what I mean? Long term, like maybe that's the way you go about it. Um, but at the end of the day, I do think it opens up the 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 kind of cards. It opens up the book entirely into where you can go with this team. Let's say the Giants end up with a tenth overall pick. Let's just assume, let's just project. Their 10th overall pick, um, and the Giants are in a position to draft a quarterback, but maybe it's too expensive to move up to get the one they want. And they can say, all right, we're at the 10th overall pick. The best offensive tackle on the board is here. Or we have a really good receiver like Malik Neighbors is on the board at 10. And we're like, yes, sir. Maybe you go it with that direction. And then, you know, it, worst case scenario, you stink in 2024 and you look into the 2025 draft and you go get a quarterback then. Like, maybe that's the alternative. But if you're at 10 and Jaden Daniels is there at eight and there's a, there's a, there's a team there that doesn't need a quarterback and you can move up two spots to get him, you freaking take Jaden Daniels guys. Like that's, that's like the obvious solution, the obvious choice. 
I think it just opens up the opportunity. It opens up the ability for the Giants and Joe Shane to say, we're not going to press too hard to get a position. We're going to see where we are. If the opportunity arises, the player we want is there. We're not going to force anything. You know what I mean? Like it allows you to say we're not going to force anything. Um, we'll stay. We'll stay put if it makes sense. But if the guy we like is there in a couple spots ahead of us, and we think he could change the course of an organization, you make the you make the trade. Like you make the deal. And so I just think it really opens up the book for where they can actually go with this draft pick and what they can do at the top um, of the draft in the first round. So. That's kind of my take right now. It, that, that's assuming Tommy DeVito like plays well the rest of the season. If we see some sort of regression, the confidence you know takes a hit, he struggles, then I think we're all in on a quarterback. But if he dominates the rest of the way and he starts getting better and throwing and, and doing all the things he's been doing and protecting the football, then you have a little bit more of an argument to say we can leave this up for interpretation and not be like dead set on getting a quarterback. I think that's a fair, objective, unbiased take. And it's the one that I have. Like, listen, I, I said I didn't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, talk too much about the future, because, again, we still have a Saints matchup coming up this week. Tommy DeVito could play really poorly, put the whole, you know, dream to bed, essentially, um, if he loses against the Saints in, in ugly fashion. But I just want to think about it and think long term here. If Tommy DeVito keeps us up, like... I think conversations need to be had. And again, I'm not saying this kid's going to be a starter or franchise quarterback. I'm only saying in this episode that it's unfair to say that he can't be those things just because he was undrafted because he's playing some damn good football. We spent a lot of time talking about Tommy DeVito, though, Alex. I do want to start moving over to talk about some of these other players that stood out. You mentioned Deontay Banks. Love that you mentioned him. You guys all remember if you've been watching the channel for a while. I'm a huge Deontay Banks fan. I wanted him on the Giants so badly pre-draft. I'm so happy that he's on the New York Giants, and I'm so happy that he's playing well, proving me right, pat myself on the back, but also just proving to be a great long-term option for the New York Giants at cornerback. The kid is a stud, and he's only going to get better, and he really only has been getting better week in and week out, in my opinion. So loving what we're seeing from Deontay Banks, but now we got to talk about the other major standout player for the New York Giants in this game, Alex, and to me, that was Wandale Robinson. Swiss Army knife on the offensive end of the ball, He's out there making plays in the running game. He's out there making plays as a receiver, getting open, making people miss tackles, hauling in clutch grab after clutch grab. Wandale Robinson, I think the Giants really have something there. They drafted him in the second round last year. He started to come on, started to play well, was dealing with a lot of injuries. Then, of course, has the 100-yard breakout game versus the Lions, tears his ACL in that game. We don't see him for the beginning of the season. Takes a while for him to get worked into the offense. But now he's fully healthy. He's really hitting his stride. This time last year, he was heading over to, take, to get surgery on his knee. One year later, we're seeing a kid really turn into a solid player for the New York Giants. And I, I think that it's really exciting. And when you're looking at this offense and the different pieces that we have in here, you kind of think like Jalen Hyatt, really good, promising young player. Wandale Robinson, great, promising young player. The Giants get one more of those guys in there. You know, if they were to take a Malik Neighbors in the first round of the draft, I mean, you're talking about the Giants building a really impressive young offense with high potential towards the future. So Wando Robinson, man, I, I love what he's bringing to this Giants team. I think that he's a perfect scheme fit in Brian Dable's offense. You know, kind of like you were mentioning, Giants need quarterbacks that fit the scheme. They also need receivers that fit the scheme, right? So maybe Tommy DeVito is that perfect fit in this offense. Maybe he's not. But I, one thing that's for sure, Wandale Robinson is a perfect fit in this offense. He is exactly what the doctors ordered for the New York Giants offense, which is, fun fact, no longer the worst-ranked offense in the NFL. That title now belongs to the New York Jets. The Giants are ranked 31st in the NFL 
congrats, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. You pulled us out from the bottom. Let's keep moving upward and hope to see this offense explode over the final month of the season. But Alex, want to hear your thoughts on Wandale Robinson more expanded and just kind of what you're seeing from him and how confident you are that he's going to be like a mainstay in this Giants offense for the future. I mean, you guys, you know how much I love Wandell Robinson. I've been a big fan of his, and I've been calling him a stud for a while. I'm finally happy to see him putting that on the football field because he's getting the targets, right? He had a contested catch with two guys in coverage. He is an aggressive kid. Man, the guy takes a beating, though. I will say, Wandell, he's a smaller guy. When people get a hit on him, he goes flying. He's like a rag doll. But, man, he is shifty. He is really, really great hands. You put the ball in a place where he can get it, he's coming down with a freaking ball. And his yards after the catch, you know, you give him a little space, um, he can get some really really nice um, additional yardage. And I do believe that Wandale, along with Jalen Hyatt, are going to be long-term really good pieces for this team. Wandale was a tremendous short-to-intermediate receiver. Jalen Hyatt as that deep threat, I mean, you know, that's exactly what you want. If the Giants get themselves a WR1, if they can go out and get themselves a high-end wide receiver one somewhere, somehow, in the future, they're going to have a very good wide receiver unit. I think this this unit is actually a little bit underrated, mainly because, like, you don't see them get a lot of yards all the time. You see them kind of um, – they're a product of, of a bad passing game and bad protection at times. But these are good-ass players, my friends. Wandale is legit. I think that he is going to be, as long as he stays healthy, a stud. He's one year removed from an ACL tear, guys, and look how he's moving. Look at his impact. He's awesome. I really like Wandale. His agility, his shiftiness, his toughness, man. He will take a hit over the middle and get absolutely destroyed, hang on to the football, and he doesn't give two shits, man. Excuse my language, but it's the truth. The guy is tough as nails, and I respect him for that. Um, you don't see that type of toughness a lot. We've seen a lot of Giants uh, players bail out of big hits before. Wandale will take it for his team. And I do think um, his his upside here, we haven't really even scratched the surface. You get a legitimate, consistent passing game. And look, Tommy DeVito, a lot of that production's come on the ground. Um, and he still managed to make Wandale look good. You get a good quarterback or a great quarterback who can really make the most of a passing attack. Wandale's going to be a, like, talk about fantasy relevant. The Giants are going to have the first fantasy relevant receiver in a long time. Um, he gives me, like, Zay Flowers kind of vibes, you know. They use Zay Flowers so well in Baltimore. Smaller, agile, quick, strong as hell, great hands. Um, I think that he could be similar to that. They got to use Wandale even more in the future. He's becoming a bigger piece, but we really haven't even seen him hit his stride. I really I really do believe this kid is, is a stud, in the, and, and he's going to become such an important piece for us in the future. I agree with that. I think that he's really only scratching the surface of his potential. I could argue Tommy DeVito is doing the same, but I don't want to keep just riding this Tommy DeVito train. I'm having too much fun, though. You guys got to understand, Italian-American man like myself, this is my dream come true, watching a young Italian-American from the New York, New Jersey area grow up and play football for the New York Giants and win football games. This is literally what I wish my life became. This is a dream come true for me. So I'm riding this Tommy DeVito wave, Tommy Mania, DeVito Mania, whatever you want to call it. I'm having so much fun with it. I love it. Um, I, I'll just say I, I agree resoundingly with all of your points that you made on Wanda Robinson. I think this kid's going to be a stud. And the last thing that I'll really say before we wrap up here, Alex, is I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast um, when the Giants started winning these games. You know, there was a lot of fans who were saying, no, keep losing. We need this top overall pick. And I was saying, listen, the Giants were never meant to be a top three overall pick team. They were never expected to be that bad. What we're seeing now is a regression to the mean. Everything always always regresses to the mean. That's the point I made a few weeks ago, and I think it's really becoming true because the Giants, we expected this to be a playoff team or a fringe playoff team. At the worst, a team that narrowly misses the playoffs. 
we're seeing a regression to the mean because now, by season's end, they are going to be a team that narrowly missed the playoffs. Right now, in week 15, they are one spot out of a postseason spot, so no matter what, the conclusion of the season, they're a team that narrowly, narrowly missed the playoffs. We were hoping for the high end of the spectrum where they make the postseason and go on a run. That's what we were hoping for, and we analyzed this team all offseason long, mentioned all the pieces that they added, all these great players, how this team is better than they were last year and how they could be a real force this season. We, we had high expectations for this team. They really didn't meet those expectations. They struggled really badly. This team looked terrible for a while, but they were never meant to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. At worst, they were meant to be one of those middle-of-the-pack teams, and again, we're seeing a regression to the mean. I think that this is something that Giants fans, you should have expected. You really should not have expected this team to lose out, not win any more games a season, end up with a top three overall pick. We should have expected them to win some games down the stretch against bad opponents because, like we said last year, Brian Dable was winning this team games by himself. Was he really struggling early on the season? Yeah, but he's locked in now. He was the coach of the year last year for a reason. And here he goes putting this team on a run and now trying to fight his way into the playoffs, saving his job, saving the jobs of some of his colleagues. Brian Dable's a good coach, and I think that we're seeing that on full display. And we also talked about how Joe Shane did a great job building this roster all offseason long, adding pieces, bringing in talent. We're seeing that he did do those things. This is a good football team. Like, this isn't a terrible, you know, bottom-of-the-barrel football team. At the very least, this is an average football team. No, it's not great. It's not a Super Bowl contending roster, but it's a decent enough football team to win five to ten or five to eight games in a season, and that's what we're seeing, a regression to the mean. That's where the Giants are going to wind up. Another thing that I'll mention, though, Alex, and I do think this is a crucial factor that we have omitted in a lot of conversations and forgotten about, and a lot of Giants fans have, the Giants might get Darren Waller back next week. If Darren Waller's fully healthy, this offense is moving. We're seeing the ball get into the hands of those playmakers. We're seeing Tommy DeVito read the field better each week. Once he gets one of those big-bodied star receiving threats like a Darren Waller in this offensive lineup, we might be only scratching the surface here. This Giants offense might be taking another step forward over the next couple weeks with Darren Waller getting back in the mix. How that opens things up for Saquon Barkley how that opens things up for Jalen Hyatt. We all remember that game that Tyrod Taylor started against Washington. Hyatt got heavily involved and Darren Waller got heavily involved. Those two things were correlated. There was causation there. Darren Waller going up the seam, that opened things up on the boundary for Hyatt. Hyatt up the boundary, opened up the touchdown to Waller on the seam. So we're going to see probably some big changes from this New York Giants offense over the next couple weeks, and I think they're going to be positive ones. Darren Waller, don't sleep on the impact that he might have on this offense, especially considering he gives somebody really reliable for uh, Tommy DeVito to throw the ball to, like a real playmaker with elite traits and talents. So I think that's an underrated factor in this equation. But Alex, before we wrap up, any of your closing thoughts kind of just on, you know, the Giants scratching the surface? Maybe there is something more here with Darren Waller entering the lineup and really just that regression to the mean thing that I was kind of mentioning where this team was never meant to be that bad. And I think that we're seeing them not realize their full potential right now, but at least reach what we thought they could be at the very least. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a semblance of what we hoped the Giants would look like at times. I, we expected their offense to be much better, obviously, but their defense is legit. Um, for just context, yesterday, the Giants gave up zero sacks. Um, gave on, rather, Andrew Thomas and John Michael Schmitz gave up a combined two pressures. Um, 
Justin Pugh gave up three pressures. I believe Tyree Phillips gave up three or four pressures. And same with Ben Bredesen, three pressures. So, you know, of course, not perfect, but much improved. I mean, <laughs> significantly improved. And the Giants pass rush. I mean, dude, Dexter Lawrence, man. Holy hell, this guy. He played 20 snaps. He, he was on a snap count. He played 20 snaps. Do you know how many pressures he got in those 20 snaps? He had six pressures and a sack in those 20 snaps. Like, what the hell? The guy is a freaking animal. And and God, I'm so happy we extended him. Thank God. Because if we didn't, I'd be absolutely just destroyed internally. I, I really am so thankful Joe Shane recognized this guy. And I mean, it's pretty easy to freaking recognize. He's been a monster for a couple years now. So so happy we got him in a long-term deal. This guy is one of the, if not the best defender in football right now. Like, that's how good he actually is. Um, so I'm excited about that. But listen, Oziz Ojolari, you referenced it earlier, six pressures. Kayvon Thibodeau, four pressures. Our pass rush balled out, and that's what happens. Jordan Love looked so uncomfortable because our pass rush was balling out the entire night. Um, really, really excited about that. And look, like you said, regression to the mean. Giants were going to win some games at some point. Obviously, it was dark. It was really dark before the dawn um, a couple weeks ago. But, you know, them winning a couple games now, I mean, it's classic Giants stuff. Like, we expected them to win a couple games at some point. Of course, when the Giants were, like, in a spot to get a top pick, it was like, all right, like, we might as well just hit reset and get this top quarterback now they're winning games. And it's like, all right, like, now now what? Um, hopefully this, you know, hopefully we can continue to build on this and compound on this. But this may save the jobs of multiple people. You know what I mean? What we're seeing right now may end up saving the jobs of guys like Mike Kafka or even Wink may not leave. And, you know, who's to say, like, Bobby Johnson, the offensive line is playing exceptionally better than it has been. Maybe he his job is saved. You know, like, there are guys here that really are surviving because of this winning streak right now. So, you know, happy for them. There are some others that I'm not going to name. I do think still stink and are probably worthwhile moving on from. But, you know, this team is, is certainly – Beating expectations based on the fact that our quarterback position has been turned over three times at this point. Um, at the current rate, I estimate that Daniel Jones is going to be a backup next year. Honestly, I, I, I mean, he's watching in real time. And I tweeted it. He's watching in real time Brian Dable fall in love with Tommy DeVito. And he's standing there on the sideline watching him and DeVito like embrace and and win three consecutive games. You know what I mean? And I, I just don't know if if Daniel Jones. I know they said like, Jones is their starting quarterback when he's healthy. But like at what and, and it's because of the money. But at what point do you say to yourself like how much better is Daniel Jones than Tommy DeVito coming off an ACL tear? And look, they're taking the out in Daniel Jones contract unless he bounces back next year and puts together a ridiculous season, which is very unlikely. We're gonna move on from that contract after next season, guys. And it's the best thing to do for the team because of the uh, because of the money. Um, and and, uh, and that's kind of where I stand right now. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Maybe some are still hanging on to a very sliver, small sliver of hope. Um, but right now, I'm loving the winning. I'm loving this. I'm loving the the fact that we can actually have a little bit of enjoyable Sundays or Monday nights, even winning a primetime game. I mean, guy, like we we get rolled over in primetime games, guys. Winning those, I went into last night like not like just totally demoralized. Walked away like, oh crap, like we actually won that game. So, you know, I'm interested to see how we put up against some teams that really give us a give us some trouble. You know what I mean? But. Defense is balling out. Tommy's getting better. You know, Saquon obviously had a couple of uh, had one big mistake yesterday, but otherwise was excellent. Um, the receiving game, Wandale is becoming a stud. Like you said, Darren Waller comes back. Who knows what happens? Maybe he becomes a really big focal point for Tommy DeVito. Maybe he really helps this offense. So we'll see. We'll see if we can compound on this. But um, right now, just enjoying a win on a Tuesday, and I think that's all we can really hope for as Giants fans right now. 
It is. It's all we can hope for is that we watch some football games that are enjoyable. And for a while there, they weren't. But right now, they are. Tommy DeVito is a big part of that. And listen, I love watching the New York Giants play good football. The defense played great football last night. The offense, yeah, could have been better. But you know what? The Packers defense did a good job trying to slow them down. And Tommy DeVito fought back. And the Giants offense fought back. So I think we're seeing some great things. I'm really excited for the future of this team. I think one point that you made there about Daniel Jones that I will say before we wrap up what Joe Shane says said was the expectation is that Daniel Jones will be the starter when he's healthy. That was the expectation then. Then the expectation also was Tommy DeVito is going to lose games because he's not a good enough starting quarterback because he was an undrafted rookie. That expectation has been proven wrong. He's winning games. He's a good enough player. So now the expectation that Daniel Jones is going to be the starter you can't really rely on that anymore. That can't be the expectation anymore at this point, in my opinion. So what I expect, New York Giants are going to stay competitive for the rest of these games in the regular season and hopefully try to make that push for the postseason. And when they do, I'm all here for it. I'm going to be excited, and I hope to see uh, some really crazy things happen for the rest of the season and hopefully into the postseason. But, of course, that pretty much wraps this one up. Make sure to like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you on the next one. Have a good one, and let's go Giants. Let's go Giants.